Hi and welcome to the Bookkeepers podcast. I'm Zoe Whitman, I'm in South Wales and I'm joined by Joe Wood in Kent. Hi Joe, how are you doing? Hi Zoe, yeah I'm all good, I'm all good. Looking forward to our second podcast of the day. Very busy day for us. Wednesdays are our six figure bookkeeper day when me and Zoe get together and we do loads and loads of stuff. That's why we have our podcast on today. So uh, Wednesdays is the favourite day of my week. Oh, I love that. So the day we work together is your favourite day. My, that's brilliant. Um, okay, so today we're really excited to be joined by Caroline Plum. Caroline is the founder and CEO of Fluidly. Caroline, how are you doing? It's really nice to see you. I'm really well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's brilliant. Oh, no, we're really, really happy to have you here. Um, we well, I think we're going to have an interesting conversation today about innovation and what bookkeepers can do differently. Um, I want, do you want to start by telling us a bit about what you do at Fluidly? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm a founder and CEO of Fluidly. Uh, and at Fluidly, we're building a category that we call intelligent cash flow. Uh, so really a kind of a smart layer around business finances that fundamentally does three things. Tells you what's going to happen in the future. So what does that mean? And now what should you do about it? And I think we have a whole load of information normally about the financial past. It's kind of like driving through a rear view mirror. And I think some of the great things that um, bookkeepers do is interpret that past that past, and kind of give you insight into the future. And that's really what Fluidly tries to help do, kind of give you forward looking view uh, about business finances and then what to do about it. I mean, Caroline, you really impressed me. The first time I saw you, you spoke at the Bookkeepers Summit and um Firstly, there's not always there wasn't many women as you know speakers from software companies. So <laughs> that first of all was like really nice. And then I, I'm sure you've got children, haven't you? And I think you'd only recently had a child or something. And I was like, oh my goodness, she's a mom, she's a businesswoman, she's an entrepreneur, and a founder and a CEO. And I was really like, wow, you're you know you really impressed me. So how how have you found being the CEO and founder of a big company and juggling family life especially with COVID times well the other last 12 months have been quite interesting or 18 months as we're kind of going on to now um but I guess I guess as a founder and you know it's when you run your own business as well it's sort of work and life are always mixed aren't they there's always a sort of like that concept of work-life balance I always think it's a bit of a strange one really because sometimes actually it really suits me to do some work on a Sunday morning when I'm meant to be watching a football match, but it's boring. Um, or, you know, I mean, it's only so much under nines football you can really take, isn't there? And, um, and so other times, um, you know, actually I might need to take some time out between like four and six because I want to feed the kids and have dinner with them. Uh, and actually, so it really suits me to work between often like between nine and 11 p.m. So I think it's just trying to find that kind of mix and balance. And so, you know, juggling is, is always something I think you do in working life. And I think you would you do it in lots of different roles. But I think actually when you're the founder of something and you've got your own business, you actually have a lot more flexibility uh, than most. And that really suits. And I think that's the case. So, yeah, I think keeping lots of balls in the air, um, trying your best to do that. And also not being too precious about the ones that fall on the floor because, you know, some of them that weren't that important anyway. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I think a lot of us, are, a lot of our community are parents and have that struggle. I mean, I had my my mum came over yesterday and her train had been cancelled and I had to drive over to, to Bristol and get her. And that is the beauty of being working for yourself. You, get to, you yeah. get to choose the things that you need to do and fit in. So I think, and that, you know, that's why a lot of us are here starting our own businesses and learning how to make that work. It's really important that we don't 
start our own businesses and then think, right, okay, well, I know what that looks like if I'm in an employed position and I work nine to five and I make sure I'm available to my clients nine to five. And then you suddenly just don't have the flexibility that you were aiming for anyway. So I'm um, really inspirational to hear about uh, that. You do that as well. Like it's, I yeah. think we think, oh, you must be living in some, I know, amazing glass office and doing all this thing away from everyone. And no, you're doing exactly the same as us. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, I think part of it is finding your own success and defining that, isn't it? And I think letting that go. Because um, I think otherwise you get into this kind of woulda, shoulda, coulda, don't you? And you feel like you have to kind of conform to some other sort of people's metrics of success or expectation. And I think actually, if you're running your own business, like no matter the size of it, you have to kind of decide what is important to you and how you balance your business across your family, across your friends, across like exercise, your community. There's only so many hours in the day and one person's choices are never the same as anybody else's choices. So I kind of think it's always not about comparison. It's just about trying to find what, what the mix is for you and then staying true to that and trying to ignore the guilt that comes with like yeah. the things you can't do. <laughs> yeah yeah the guilt is real isn't it and um and, and actually I had an experience of this um I actually had a week off of work but then my daughter got ill and I was we was four days in hospital and and I actually thought wow the fact I haven't got our answer to a boss yes you know everything that we do nothing there's never a fully easy path you have to make choices and some things you know being your own boss isn't easy but in that moment that was much easier than having to go and tell a boss I wasn't going to be at work that day and have that horrible guilt so we we have to we have to yeah give ourselves a break I like that sometimes yeah sometimes we drop some balls but it's absolutely fine and um yeah and it's about finding a work uh, and I love that as well work-life balance it's just life isn't it like work is just part yeah. of life uh doing something that works for you now with what you do you obviously you're uh an amazing entrepreneur and so being an entrepreneur you look out for things in the market in you know what's happening in the world and so can you see at the moment the opportunities that there are for bookkeepers that maybe there wasn't 10-15 years ago what opportunities do bookkeepers have in today's current climate I just think there's so many opportunities at the moment uh, and I think one of the kind of big themes that you're kind of hearing and I guess in finance and accounting is this kind of office of the CFO. Now it's a very kind of like a um, perhaps Americanized term in some ways but you know but that, I think people are thinking much more holistically about it's a horrible word isn't it but like about people like finances in the round you know it's not just about um you know, what's my cash position today? Or what was my P&L? What was my gross margin? You know, the kind of facts, but it's about the reality of running a business. Um, and kind of thinking about that in the round, whether that's, um, you know, what we always talk about jobs to be done. And one of the kind of key jobs to be done is get cash in the bank. Uh, and um, and so that might be about managing your cash flow, but that might be about taking about a loan, it might be chasing your debtors down, it might be cutting costs. There's lots of different ways to do that. And I think, um, bookkeepers in particular have like an intimate experience of the of the mechanics of a business you know would know it better than anybody else really inside out from the finances perspective and so there is that kind of opportunity to to like think differently about the problem and kind of really get into that so what now what space um, and figure out you know what are the different ways of of doing something um, and I think it goes back to kind of general principles on innovation because you know before fluidly um so I started my first business when I was 21 
I left university, I was going to go and join a strategy consulting firm, become like a consultant, because I thought that's what you're meant to do. And back to that kind of pressure, there's a certain expectation, isn't there, on certain things you're meant to do after cert at certain stages, that you're meant to get that corporate job, or you're meant to go like into teaching, or you're meant to go to be a lawyer, or whatever it meant to do, but it's kind of like a pressure and expectation. And, um, and so actually starting my own business then, was really like off course at the time and people were a bit like what are you doing why are you turning down that proper job uh, to do your other thing um but I think it's like sometimes getting comfortable with those uh decisions and then trying to plot a path that is different and I think where um businesses do really well is when they think differently and they try to rather than try I always think I want to be faster I want to be quicker I want to be cheaper but it's like how do I actually create something different that hasn't been experienced before and how do I bring the components of that together and I think that's where the opportunity is for bookkeepers as well like, how do I build something that's different and feels different that isn't necessarily about the might, might not be about the kind of mechanics of bookkeeping but it's maybe about the kind of broader experience or broader like differences that you could deliver mm -hmm. Um, this is really interesting. So when you when when I think about, or certainly when I started a bookkeeping practice, so I left corporates. I I, I wanted more flexibility. I I meant I qualified the accountant. I've worked in corporate for a long time, and I was like, I do some bookkeeping. That's fine. And people were asking me to do their bookkeeping. They asked me to do a tax return. So I was like, Yeah, I can as long as I get the right licenses. I guess I can do this. And that and it was really like the work was there if I wanted it. And I was like, Well, I'm quite cautious on and do all of this properly so I went and did my exams got my license and then I went out and I saw this as a transactional thing people had a problem I was going to solve it with something that I was doing on a computer the end and uh, and I mean what I learned over that time was actually there's so much more to it and it's about the the communication and that the personalities involved and that's actually what can make you really stand out but what do you and I think perhaps a lot of people go into this profession thinking it's a transactional thing. I'm going to produce some work. I'm going to reconcile the bank, and then someone's going to pay me at the end of the month for doing that thing. What opportunities do you think bookkeepers and accountants are missing because they are thinking like that? Do you, do you if with the firms you you speak to, do you think people are still thinking like that very much, or, or do you think it's changed? I think it is changing in in theory. I think people kind of think they want to go beyond. The kind of transactions into like more added value um but i think it's also trying to i think people are trying to find out what's the right way of doing that and how do i have those conversations and um and what are what where do i can i overstep the mark or what should it be and i think one of the things that's really true about like people running businesses is that it can be really lonely um uh, it can be really like you are kind of often the sole person or one of a few people who's actually responsible for kind of people's mortgages you know their salaries um, like suppliers, customers, and and also if you if a business gets into trouble or is like having harder times, you can't really share. It's not like you can tell like lots of different people that it's very. So it can be very lonely um, around around money. And I think one of the biggest kind of opportunities really is to be that kind of safe place almost um, for business owners to actually talk to in confidence about the finance of the business. Because there's very few people who actually have like fully on your side. I think it can be that lonely. It's kind of like, who have you really got in your team who on the inside that is not gonna kind of panic and and, get, and give that. And similarly, when things are going really, really well, you know, perhaps a business, is, a business owner is thinking about selling a business or like expanding into a new product line or taking out buying a competitor or you know just doing something bold. Again, it can be a really lonely time. So yeah. I think there's a lot of that that's just sort of um, providing like a sounding board advice 
and a kind of perspective that is only from the, that perspective and not hasn't any other agenda. Um, I think that can be really valuable. I love that, and and it's, it is so valuable. The, um, the the business owners that I speak with are in that place of um, so, say they don't understand what their accountant's telling them. They don't feel that they can then ask because they're made to feel that they should know. That's a lot of the thing. They feel like they can't ask the question because they feel they should already know it. And they don't understand that every other business owner feels the same. We all have that feeling of like, well, I own a business. Surely I should know this stuff. And no, you have to learn it. it you're the same. As we, are, we are not born knowing all of this. And I think having that kind of becoming that person where people can tell you good things and bad things around money money is an emotive subject Beauty, isn't it? yeah yeah so you have to it's about building those relationships with your clients so that you, that you are that safe space that safe place that they can um offset and let let their feelings out whether it's good or bad because you can't tell your staff if you're having a bad day because they're going to be thinking straight away well am I going to get paid at the end of the month and then if you earn too much you can't tell them because they're going to go can you can you give me some more money so yeah it is a very very lonely place so Caroline if you with your knowledge and your you know innovative personality what would you, if you was going to set up as a bookkeeper now I know your background's more science and you know like you're not you're not a bookkeeper. No. But, you know, what what would you do if you were going to set up this kind of business now? What would what would you do? How would you do it? Oh my goodness, that is an incredibly hard question. Um, <laughs> I would not purport to like know of an expert in the area at all, as you just said. So, um, but how about instead, I gonna give you kind of general principles for innovation. So, like, I think if you're tackling any problem, like whether that's about like creating a new bookkeeping service or creating a new like drinks category or something because I used to run an innovation business and so I think there's different ways that you can kind of think about things and one of the best ways of getting innovation is you have to think differently I talked about that before Um, but people get really like you get really trammeled by your own experience into thinking in certain ways um like here's a good example for you I won't meet it necessarily but um there's a project called the Jubilee Project um you may have heard me talk about it before um it was done many years ago and they asked 50 adults one question which was, what would you change about your body? So I'll let you think about it for a second. You don't have to answer, <laughs> you can tell if you want. But what would you change about your body? Anyway, so adults give answers like, my tummy's too big, or my ears are like skew if, or my forehead's too big, or I wish I could like get rid of my stretch marks. Or, like That's what the kind of answers uh, that most people kind of have in their head um, when they think about changes to their body. And then they ask the same question to 50 children, And the children said things like, I want a shark's mouth so I can eat loads of food. And they said, I want legs like a cheetah so I can run really fast. And so I basically children add features, they add superpowers, they augment, they they make something more powerful. And adults, we flick floors. We like to focus on this, like something's broken, let's fix it. So make it faster, make it cheaper. But we're fixing today rather than like adding to tomorrow. And so like one of the best principles for like, coming up with something new is not trying to just think about how do I do that better than somebody else by making it faster, cheaper or whatever. But you're like, how do I make it different? Like, how do I make, how do I add something that takes it to a new place? So that'd be my first thing. If you're making a new bookkeeping service, it's like, what could I augment this with? What power could I add that isn't there today that gives me like, 
actually one of the girls said she wanted a mermaid's tail and that was it I was just like that would be brilliant wouldn't it <laughs> you change about your body I would never in a million years think I'll switch my legs out but so that's the kind of so how do you break the thinking pattern in the first place that takes you out of all that routine all the stuff you're really used to day in day out and of course we're all massively creatures of habit because it would be hugely exhausting, frankly, in the morning to get up and have to figure out, do I put my pants on first or my socks and trousers, like what order? And we do the same things in the morning in the same way. You're almost certain to get dressed in the same way, go to the shower in the same way, brush your teeth, put on your moisturizer cream, whatever you're doing. But there's like a, there's like a little routine that you're on autopilot for. So when it comes to thinking of new ideas, it's about how do you like see the unconscious bias and see the unconscious rules that you are following without even realizing that you're following them. And so there's a whole set of kind of rules that govern the game. Like in bookkeeping, maybe it's the accounts have to be done every, every month. Well, why? Why not every 10 minutes? Or why not every year? Like, does it have to be that frequency? Um, yeah, what are the rules that govern bookkeeping today? And then like you just part of the way you get new ideas is to systematically break rules and say, what if I just like took that to an extreme um, and so one of the ways of getting ideas as well, so I call like experts, innovation from the edge or like getting experts and you just kind of go extremes of a category. What if I had like the wealthiest client ever that had, we wanted to pay me a million pounds a year, what would my service like, look like then? What would I have to deliver for a million pounds a year? What if I had like the client that could only afford 10 pounds a year, how would I like adjust my service to make it 10 pounds a year? And if you work to like the extremes of a problem in like, who you're serving or like add constraints in time and money and spend and cost in like proposition, you can come up with really interesting angles on a problem that gives you kind of new ways of thinking uh, and innovating. So yes, I wouldn't claim to know what service looks like, but I think those will be some of the ways to kind of like enter the problem and think about how you might solve it. Oh my goodness, Caroline, I feel like I'm gonna start a new bookkeeping practice now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love that. So um, this is really interesting because I was talking to a guy called Richard who is um, joining us actually for the Bookkeepers Bootcamp. He's a marketer and he was speaking to a photographer and, and this photographer was, um, I think he was in New Zealand or something and, and he was like, I'm not making enough money from my business. And I know not making enough money, I know we're talking about photographers here, but I think this is relevant for some of the bookkeepers in our community too. And um, they were saying, you know, I'm not, making, I'm not making enough money. And he goes, okay, so how much are you charging for your package? And he's like, I don't know, $1,000. I don't know what $1,000 is in New Zealand's money, but um, let's say it was 1000 And he's like, okay, so who's the most expensive person in your area? And he's like, oh, he's charging like $10,000. And he's like, okay, so let's say you are now the most expensive photographer in New Zealand and your package is $20,000. I'm just throwing numbers out there, but let's say it's $20,000. What could you do if you were $20,000? Because actually if he did that, he wouldn't have to find 20 clients. He'd find one client. And actually that's probably easier to do. But then what service can you design that is worth the $20,000 mark? And uh, and it blew his mind and he got a $20,000 client. So, um, you know, like this is this is the thing. This is the power of thinking about how uh, you can do something differently or what what you would be able to do if you thought about it. So uh, this is just amazing. I hope that people who are watching are getting loads of ideas. But I think there's something is also I like along this. Uh, Airbnb had this like famous thing about 11 star customer experience, I think. And they just sort of tried to kind of make what would it look like? 
if you just as you say to add more and more levels to that experience and it's a really good way of like trying to figure out what the optimum would be and then you kind of figure out how you're going to shrink it down to a price point that people would actually pay but it can provide those breakthrough ideas and and I say and then that's also why I'm really passionate about diversity actually because if you get a lot of people in a room who all have the similar characteristics regardless of background or like whatever those characteristics are whether that's you know gender or race or ethnicity or you know um social kind of class or like whatever it is if you get a bunch of people from the same background in the same room they're going to come up with broadly similar ideas and you're going to end up with just like very kind of gray boring stuff out the other end and so part of it is about like how do you get like yes it's about exercise and thinking differently but it's not about what other group of people you get in the room or like you kind of bounce stuff around with with different like different experiences to date and then you'll see different paths going forward as well oh amazing okay so i've just seen a little insight into how many ideas you have in your head (laughs) (laughs) um how do you manage that like how as someone with so many ideas and i think a lot of us do like when you're starting out in business it it can feel quite overwhelming all of this like i could do this and i could do this and what if it looked like this and actually i've got so much to organize to make this business happen i don't even know where to start how do you keep yourself focused when you're um, managing all of these ideas and projects and things at the same time? Yeah, I mean, not well. It's definitely not a strength of mine. So <laughs> um, I think one of my colleagues, Mike, called me once an ideas volcano. He's a bit like, you just go up with so many. It's a bit of an explosion. Um, so I've tried to learn to like not temper the like explosion, but maybe temper like the action that comes from that. Um, and so part of that is, I think, having a mental model of grading ideas on like a one to 10. Um, and actually one of my, my investor, American investor, he says like, that Caroline, it can't just be a yeah, it's gotta be like a hell yeah. So um, basically it's like, you gotta do the nines and tens only. And you just, if it's like a, a sub and eight, you have to just kill it because you haven't got enough time. And it's absolutely awful killing eights because eights are like great ideas. They're really good ideas. If you had more time and more resource, more money, like more whatever focus, you would wanna do the eights. Uh, so they are horrible to to kill off. Um, but I think being really focused about nines and tens only. Um, and then other kind of things are, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm like a to-do list person, but I'm a matrix to-do list person. I'm an important, urgent, everything on a grid. Uh, and so quite focused, like organized in terms of the things I'm going to do. And then the final piece really perhaps for ideas is um, like who you work with. So because I'm a bit of a like, gonna create too many um one of the key characteristics in my coo who's amazing um is like just prioritization so he's always like okay caroline which three maximum do you want to pick and in what order give me the rank ranking one two and three and give me the weighting it's awful he's like okay so one fifty percent two thirty percent three twenty percent and i'm like but i want to do more he's like no no more just <laughs> so i think kind of um like killing the dead one, killing off the bad ones quickly. Um, just doing the nines and tens. If they are JFDIs, just FDI them. Uh, and um, and then for the rest, like it needs a kind of like ranking and waiting, I would say, in a quite a annoyingly structured way. Oh, that's so good and so helpful to figure out what you should I mean me and Zoe are awful we come up with ideas all the time but we are going to be using this and I like the waiting of like okay which one is more which one is the one we need to do and and I and getting rid of all the eights 
and lower yeah. is really great. So obviously fluidly must have been a nine or ten um, decision and an idea we came up with. Definitely a ten. So tell us what makes fluidly different to the other providers of cash flow forecasting out there. What's you know what, what does it do for bookkeepers? Yeah, I mean, I think firstly we we wouldn't see ourselves in the kind of for, just forecasting category alone. I think kind of forecasting tells you what, but it doesn't really tell you any of the so what now what and. I think that the forecast alone is just, you know, if you just say your cash balance at the beginning and like next three months is going to be £10,000, it's not, what does that mean? Is that any use to me? Um, and so we focus really on not just delivering kind of the what, but also trying to deliver insights from that and um, and pointing out kind of suggested actions from it. So I think trying to kind of get, I say, the, we see the category broader as, the, as forecasting. Uh, and we call the category like intelligent cash flow. So how do you actually make money smart? Back to your point, it's like, you know, you want it to be forward looking and kind of smart and kind of give you the kind of views around that. Um, and the second thing is that we we do a baseline forecast out of the box. So we kind of use artificial intelligence to kind of augment the forecast. And back to that kind of superpowers point, it's not about taking it away from humans. It's just about how do you load up some smarts into the product to save you some time and do some bits. Um, and if you don't like it, you can kind of turn it off. Um, but again, it gives you, it means that you're not busy typing in like the, um, you know, on the 14th of the month, the rent comes in and on the, like this invoice is going to always pay on 30 days. So I have to make that cash movement as well. The, the machine will pick up all the basics where there's an underlying pattern and an underlying sort of um, rhythm to the business. It would put all that in the forecast for you and then you can just adjust it or take it out. And so having that kind of automated piece just saves a lot of time, um, gives that initial forecast, and then you can focus on your energy on the on the interesting bits, which is the kind of advice, the so what, the now what, and the kind of conversations that go around the forecast. And, and we allow, you know, bookkeepers to do that at scale across their client base, because it's really painful building a forecast and if you have to build each one for each client each time, because, you know, and then maintain them all, it's very difficult. Whereas because we've got this sort of AI in it, you can deploy across your whole client base and we can automatically build cash flow forecasts across all of your clients all of the time. They're not saying they're going to be 100% accurate. You've got to tweak them, of course. But you have that kind of baseline view. And then you can see at a glance a portfolio across all your clients of how they're all doing relative to each other. I think that's really helpful because I know a lot of bookkeepers want to build a, an advisory service into their business, but they don't know how to start. And they're worried about the time set up. And yes. so actually knowing you've got something that can pick up a lot of the data and start to produce something. So you have something to work with pretty much straight away that you can then go and tweak is actually yeah. a really helpful way to do it or to get started yeah. anyway. You said that so much better than me because that is it. It's kind of that out of the box nature. I'm not saying it's like perfect out of the box by any means. You know, there's definitely bits where the machine is going to predict something. You're like, oh my goodness, talking nonsense. Like, um, but, um, but it, like where there is like the underlying like regularity to a payment to a transaction to a kind of um a debtor creditor ledger you know it will do that for you so you can it makes it a lot easier to get started and it sort of let takes a lot of friction out of the process i think do you advise um so when you're working with i know this isn't your job directly but in terms of the way fluidly works with other with bookkeepers and accountants do you suggest that they have then a monthly meeting off the back of this or do they build this into their reporting in some way or is it all about yeah. what is the different service you can create because you've now got this amazing tool? Yeah, a bit of all of the above. I mean, we set, we set it up on like a couple of interaction points. So month end, VAT end, 
you know, um, like kind of around the like natural interaction points um, where you're kind of talking to the client anyway, you're having a natural conversation about the PL and about the balance sheet and the historics, like delivering a cash flow forecast for the next six weeks or like 12 weeks is a really logical place to do that. And, you know, we offer kind of memberships that you can offer that kind of free to all your clients and just have that as part of the kind of conversations um, that you're having at that point. And then you can layer on the added value after. So people perhaps want to get into more depth. They can like extend the forecast to 12 months or like beyond. Um, you kind of have more deeper conversations. You can do scenarios in it really easily. So what if I take on a new person? What if I like my revenues drop 25%? You can have those conversations quickly with like sliders and dials that just see the effect on, on the cash flow. Um, and then the final piece is all around funding service. So we know a lot of clients are often interested in financing and trying to find the right financial provider for their um, for their business. So we offer a kind of referral model. So a bookkeeper can front up a funding service, but actually what they're doing is introducing fluidly. And then our FCA qualified um, team will help match to the right financial provider. And we have over 40 lenders on our panel, everyone from kind of Starling Bank and the big banks to kind of smaller lenders you've probably never heard of, but actually are quite niche providers and really good for certain things. So we can then help the bookkeeper deliver that service line to their clients and they share in the commission that we receive from the lender if it goes through. Um, but it kind of provides a kind of compliant, risk-free extra service line at kind of addi zero additional cost, but kind of expands the services. Wow. And that's that's so cool because you've got the, the cash flow intelligent software that you can go, right, so if we had this amount of money coming in, what could that look like? And also that is the question. So some lots of my clients say, I need to borrow some money, I need to borrow money. How much do I need to borrow is the next question that they usually ask me and they want me to help them discover how much it is that they need. Because what's the yeah. point of not borrowing enough? If you're going to borrow, you need to get the right amount. So that works really well. Does is fluidly a tool that um clients would look at as well? Would they have their own do they have their own access to it, or is it something that's always presented from the bookkeeper's point of view? It's kind of up to the bookkeeper to control that. So yes, they can add their client and a login. Uh, and actually the feature we're building, we're about to launch, I probably shouldn't take because marketing will be upset with me, but we're about to launch uh, a feature, a sneak preview around improving the user permissions. So you'll be able to launch it to your client with the full permissions or just view only, um, or not at all, of course, you can like manage different people's access and, um, and rights within that in a very granular way. So but um, we, we, we predominantly build for like, what we call the creator role. So the person that's kind of get in there, make the forecasts in the finances and has some financial understanding. But we build it also so that the collaborator, like the, the person that wants to see the output, like the business owner, can can view that in an easy way. So the front screen's like a simple dashboard. Um, and you can download, you can you know, send that to your clients or have them log into that screen without having to get into the mechanics of the of all the detail, unless they want to. I love that. I think that, well, I think there's a simple solution to sort of get people started, but then there's the opportunity to go and explore more and really build this into the relationship that you have with your client. And I think, well, this is the kind of tool that I hope lots of bookkeepers are looking at building into their business and the way they do things. How can bookkeepers find out more about Fluidly, Caroline? Yeah, they can um, email um info at fluidly.com or you can email me okay. caroline at fluidly.com uh, or you can reach us uh, on twitter at fluidly partners
Perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's been really nice to catch up today. I know that everyone's learned so much. We, I think we're all feeling so inspired now to go and <laughs> innovate. I've been looking at the comments and Catherine's been saying that she's going to start grading everything now. So <laughs> I think you're going to see some really interesting to-do lists with like quite scientific <laughs> measures behind which projects we take forward. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Caroline. Um, thanks everyone for joining us today. If you want to find out more about what we do, the best place to join us is in the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, which is our free Facebook community. We're just getting ready for Bookkeepers Bootcamp, which is our free week-long event, which runs from the 6th of September. And if you want to get all of the updates and see the full lineup, you can see all of that by going to sixfigurebookkeeper.com slash bootcamp. And we will see you next week for another podcast. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.